Your ideas are stuck inside your head. Now, if they stay there, you're never going to get what you want. Your career will stall, your bank account will crumble, and your life ultimately will feel somewhat meaningless. Now, I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm just being honest. If you feel stuck, it's because your ideas are stuck. Now, I get it. I've felt that way many times in my life, and it's because two things really go missing, articulation and persuasion. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about how we can get your ideas onto paper so that you can begin to get what you want out of life. Welcome to this week's episode of the Read Well Podcast. My name is Eddie Hood, and I'm your host, where I believe it's more important to read well than to be well-read. So grab your favorite book, open up your notes, and let's get ready to learn something fascinating. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is episode 18 of the Read Well Podcast, and I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Because up to this point, we've been talking a lot about reading, getting information from our books, studying, taking notes, how to build better reading habits. But today, we're going to be talking about how to take that information you've been gathering and turn it into something meaningful for your own personal life. So am I really asking you in your free time to write essays? The answer is yes, actually, I am. And there's a reason why. Now, I know it's much easier to at night lie down and watch a movie on Netflix instead of write an essay, heaven forbid. But hear me out. Before you turn off this podcast, let's think for just a minute. If you can write a well-written essay, several things happen for you. You become more articulate. You become more persuasive and you become sought out. That last point is incredibly interesting to me. People will begin to seek out your ideas because you are able to formulate them. This is a skill that I think few people can do well. We are so fragmented from the lives that we live in terms of digital notifications and constant emails and constant requests for our attention that very few people are able to sit down in quiet moments and put their thoughts together in a cohesive way. If you can do that, you'll be able to create change in your life and in your community. Let's define some of these words quickly. So to be articulate means that you can state your thoughts clearly. And to persuade means that your thoughts create valuable change. So the next time you want to make more money, build a community, or change government laws, let's start by getting those ideas into an essay. Now, this might be the point where you get angry because I'm using the E-word, the E-word being essay. Now, when I graduated from college, I never wanted to write another paragraph. All those research papers, essays, and book reports amounted to little more than PTSD for me, and maybe you feel the same way about your own public education experience. That's because they forgot a few pieces of crucial information that make writing the single best tool for reaching your goals. I don't want to speak for everyone, but I'm going to do it anyway. I think few kids really love writing because it's taught incorrectly to them. Now, I don't blame the teachers. I blame the circumstance. Public education has become a synonym for standardized education. You have to funnel everyone into a narrow range of acceptable outputs and grade them on that performance. It's like a potato masher system at best. In order to teach millions of kids in English classes around the country, public education has had to create a factory-like system of thinking. You learned things like the five-paragraph essay. It should have an intro, three main arguments, individually packaged into separate paragraphs, and a conclusion. You learned to avoid passive writing, something I still haven't mastered yet, to be honest. You used proper citations, and worst of all, you were supposed to reach a specific word count. That last one drives me bananas more than all of them combined. When I hear write a 500-word essay, I want to squash that banana flat. An essay should be the length necessary to make a great argument. 
Let's be honest, not all writing is going to change your life. Most research papers, memoirs, and blog posts will not make you better. They won't make you more money, they won't open doors for your career, and they're not going to build your community. However, essays can do that when you write them appropriately. Our English teachers forgot to tell us that an essay is an animal unto itself. It has a specific job to persuade the reader to change. It is the granddaddy or the grandmammy, whichever you prefer, of persuasive writing. By the end of this episode, I hope to change your life. My goal is to convince you to become an essayist. When I get into this conversation with people, the response is usually the same. Okay, yes, it makes sense that I should write something, but what on earth should I be writing about? And that's an easy question to answer. You should be writing about the things that you complain about the most in life. You see, complaining changes nothing. Writing persuasively about those items does. And be honest, you've been complaining about something. What is it? Do you want a raise from your boss? Should the school serve healthier lunches for the kids in your community? Perhaps you're like me and you want to grow a community online. Whatever change you want, try to avoid complaining in favor of picking up your pen. It really is time for your voice to be heard and for you to make a difference. Case in point, Frederick Douglass was born into slavery in the early 1800s without money, respect, or dignity. He had nothing until he learned to read and write. His essays transported him from the depths of hell to the side of President Abraham Lincoln as a trusted advisor and friend. His essays changed people, and in the process, they revered and honored him for it. They paid attention, and they're still paying attention today, 128 years after his death. He opened people's eyes to the awful truth of slavery. He created change. But here's the problem. Good writing is hard to do. That's because good writing is transformative writing. It helps the reader see things anew and gives them the courage to take action. I've done plenty of bad writing, and I know when I've fallen short. I can tell because the writing ends up being about me and my problems, or it turns into some summary of things that happened in the past. Good writing is just the opposite. It's about the reader's problem and what will change if they change. Persuasive writing should do just that. It should persuade the reader to do something. Most people avoid writing because it really does take a lot out of you. It's not for the faint of heart. I'm convinced that that's why very few people are millionaires. I mean, how many people try to become more articulate and persuasive in their free time? Like I mentioned before, watching a movie tonight is going to be much easier than sitting down to a blank piece of paper. And by the end of that movie, your ideas will still be stuck inside your head. As the author of The Practice, Seth Godin, tells us, we are rarely in the mood to do meaningful work. It's much easier to slug around and feel bad for ourselves. Your work cannot afford to be held hostage by your emotional state. It needs to get done regardless of how you feel. Your ideas matter. Even though it will be a challenge to get them down on paper, I ask you to embrace the work. Take on the identity of an essayist. See yourself as an agent of change. Now, before we get into how to write an essay, I have an idea for all of the educators out there. You see, I can't recall ever being asked to read a single essay in all of my years attending public education. Why is that? I read many books, newspaper articles, and journals, but no essays, and I'm angry about that. If I had read Self-Reliance by Ralph Waldo Emerson, I would have been much further along, but instead, I was asked to write research papers on the effects of Alzheimer's disease. I'm still angry about the amount of time in my life that took. I feel like I was robbed, to be honest. So yes, here's an idea for our educators. Have your students read great essays. Give them Emerson instead of Alzheimer's, and they'll pay attention in your class. Fran Lebowitz famously said, Think before you speak, read before you think. Let me suggest three essays I think you'll love. They will teach you to think for yourself, and once you have that in place, you'll be on your way to greater articulation and persuasion. 
Shooting an elephant by George Orwell will make you think twice before acting foolishly. This essay changed my life. It shows just how quickly we can get ourselves into trouble when we act emotionally. It's engaging and you really can't help but worry about the narrator and the poor elephant with every word. The second is A Room of One's Own by Virginia Woolf. <laughs> I can't say wolf very well. My wife makes fun of me for this. I say wolf. Uh, my whole life I've said wolf. Saying wolf, getting the LF in there, it really takes effort from me. So I hope you appreciate this, dear listener. I'm working very hard for you to pronounce her name correctly. Wolf challenges readers to consider how hard being a woman is when resources are withheld. The essay is going to bring you to your knees, and it's going to help you see that everyone has a right to follow their dreams and create. In short, she's advocating for the idea that whether you're a man or a woman, you have the right to have a room of your own so that you can create great ideas. Finally, as I mentioned before, Self-Reliance by Ralph Waldo Emerson. This will give you the courage to stand on your own two feet and stop seeking validation from others. With passages like, we don't have to wait to be picked, and we don't have to stand by hoping that we feel our calling. And we certainly don't have to believe in magic to create magic. Emerson will have you ready to jump out of your seat. Shake off the chains of conformity and find a path that will make you happy in life. This is what good writing does. It makes a point and it drives the reader to change. Let's take a minute and address the idea that many people claim essays are forgetting your thoughts in order. I've heard again and again on YouTube, very, very respectable people say that writing is meant to clarify your thinking. And I want to push back on that just a little bit. Certain kinds of writing are for clarifying your thinking, but an essay is not that. Just like essays are not for reporting on things that happened or for sharing your personal problems, they're also not a place for you to figure out what you're thinking. To return to my original idea, an essay persuades others to change. In 1992, Julia Cameron published The Artist's Way. This is a book that's really well known for something called Morning Pages. She suggests that each morning you wake up and spill your unconscious mind onto the empty page. Anything goes. The point is to get your brain moving, your creativity flowing, and your sense of self-awareness established. It's a practice that has helped me over the years to uh, figure out what I'm thinking. Now, putting words on a page forces us to come to grips with what we are thinking and, if we're being honest with ourselves, what we actually believe. You should do this daily, but you should not call it essay writing. Morning pages are different from writing persuasively. So, once you've finished your morning pages and your subconscious has spewed onto the page, now you can begin writing that essay. Another reason why writing can be challenging is because it becomes a venue for us to complain about our own emotional instabilities. Here's a secret you probably already know. People don't care about you. They're too busy caring about themselves. Your potential audience is preoccupied. They have lawns to mow, dishes to clean, a college degree to get, and they have kids to raise. Life is a lot, people, and expecting them to stop and read something you've written is a big ask. So let's ask them properly. People will read your essays only if it benefits them. That's it, period. They will not read it because they like you and they want to support your cause. They're too busy for that, unless, of course, they're your mother or your grandmother. The real world will only bat an eye if it helps them get to where they want to go. It's not a pessimistic viewpoint. It's just an honest one. This means that if you're going to be the kind of reader who changes minds, you must subscribe to the fact that your writing will not resonate with everyone. When you write for the masses, you absolutely write for no one. So because we often write about ourselves and our own emotional problems, this occurs because we're writing backwards. We're actually writing in the wrong direction. And I think that's because the prospect of the blank page can be terrifying. So many writers panic and immediately try to fill this empty space. And so we go through a series of steps that usually produces lackluster writing. And here's what that might look like. First, you sit down to a blank screen or a blank paper and you begin filling it as quickly as you can. You, you create the rough draft. 
Then once that's out, you reorganize it into clarifying arguments. After that, you edit it for grammar because that's what our English teachers taught us to do. You give the piece a title and finally you go out and look for an audience and hope that somebody's going to read this thing. This approach actually worked in high school because we had a built-in audience. We didn't have to think about who would be reading our work. The audience was the teacher and he or she was actually paid to read your work. They were paid to care. But again, in the real world, nobody is being paid to care about you. Nobody is being paid to read your work. It stands to reason then that if we're going to make a change with our writing, we need to go about it in a different manner. Let's flip this model on its head. Let's start by finding a specific audience that we want to persuade. Okay, if that's the goal, let's consider maybe you want to change how the future farmers of America run their agri-science fair. Or do you want to encourage the haunted house creators to make their attractions more family friendly? I don't think that's a real group, but we're going to pretend that it is. Perhaps you have little kids and you want to take them to these horror houses, but you're worried that the blood and gore will scare them to death. So we're going to write to these people and ask them to make a more kitty-friendly version. I know that's a bit far-fetched, but hey, we're asking for change. We're actually trying to get the world to change. And that is the point of writing an essay. You know, this is what I love about this process because getting clear on who your audience is also defines who your audience is not. Knowing that makes your job as a writer much easier. I find this idea liberating. I no longer have to please or convince everybody. My work should speak to a select few. And if I go back to my days in high school or college, every writing assignment I ever received started with a topic that was assigned to me by the teacher. Those topics were something similar to what caused the plague and why does it matter? Or... What should the president do about immigration? Or what are the effects of Alzheimer's disease on the quality of life? I didn't pick these topics. I didn't care about these topics. So I had no desire to write persuasively about them. And if you look at how the topic is stated, they're not asking me to be persuasive. These are still research papers, people. We're being asked to write about something that happened and give our opinion on it. An opinion piece is not an essay. If we're writing about what happened in the past and why we think it should be different, that's not an essay. An essay describes what should be happening in the future and why change matters. So let's dig into this idea of a specific audience and why it actually makes a difference. That's because people are really only looking for two things in their life. And I'd like you to consider yourself in this equation as well. We are looking for either less pain in our lives or more pleasure. In short, we're moving away from things that hurt us and towards things that make us feel better. If you know that as an essayist, you can write to your specific audience and address one of those two points. Your piece can either help them move away from things that are hard in life, or your piece can help them move towards things that will make them happier. This is the beginning formula of being persuasive. How on earth can you persuade somebody if you don't know who they are and you don't know what pain they're moving away from or what they want in life? You can't. It's not possible, which is why most writing falls flat. In fact, I have a saying that I like to share with people all the time, which is that your readers are not readers. They're in fact needers, N-E-E-D-E-R. They need something from you. Now, the next step to writing persuasively is the one I find the most difficult. And honestly, I cheat at this one the most. But if I do it correctly, it makes all the difference in the world. And that is to come up with 25 different titles for your essay before you ever start writing. This doesn't sound too difficult, but once you sit down to actually do it, you find that it's quite a challenge because the first five to seven titles come very easily. That's because they're cliche. Your brain turns to the titles that just, you know, you've seen in newspapers and magazines. Once you get those out of the way, the remaining 20 or so titles are quite a challenge because you have to become creative. You have to think of different ways of combining words, reaching the reader emotionally, and so on. I promise you, if you do this, you will find one title that is very, very impactful. 
And a good title does two things. First of all, it makes a promise to the reader that if they read your essay, something will happen for them. So you are telling the person, hey, I know you're busy, but if you read this thing, this will happen for you. This is how you get somebody to put down their work and pick up your work. The second thing a good title does is it keeps you focused as a writer. It keeps you from wandering in the forest and getting lost in your words. Because now every paragraph, every sentence, and every word has to be in fulfillment of the promise of that title. If you write anything that is not in accordance to that title, you need to cut it out. But we're not writing yet. Right now we're coming up with a title that is making a promise to the reader and will keep you focused. Once you have that in place and you are very excited about the title that you've come up with, the next step is to begin thinking like a lawyer. And the reason why I use the lawyer idea is because you're about to make an argument that the reader should change something about his or her life. That's a big thing to do. Think about what it takes to get you to change your own life. If I were asking you to manage your finances differently or go to the gym more frequently or go to the gym at all, or finally commit to reading Anna Karenina, which is a fantastic book, by the way, I would have to make a very compelling argument. Maybe I'm weird, but I think building an argument is quite fun. It's like being in debate class, but you get to fight for something that you believe in. So as a lawyer, your job now is to string together points of interest or points of an argument that lead the reader from the first step to the last step of change. Each one of those steps needs to be distilled down for clarity. There's no waffling, no extravagant words, no lengthy sermons. They need to be organized and in the correct order, and each of those bullet points needs to fulfill a promise of the title. Note that we're not writing here, we're just bullet pointing out each phase of our argument. Now before you rush off and start writing this thing, please be aware that order matters. Look at the list of all of your bullet points and consider putting them in a different order. Just because you have all of the ingredients there for good change, it does not mean you're making your point clearly. It's kind of like baking a cake. If you have all of the right ingredients on the table, but you put them into the bowl incorrectly, this thing is not going to come out the way you expect. For example, if you do everything but put the eggs in, and then you stir it all up and throw it in the oven, when it comes out, it's going to look a little weird. And then if you take the eggs and crack them on top so they're like gooing all over the sides, yeah, you put everything in the bowl or in the recipe. It's supposed to be right, but it's not because you got the order wrong. Order is everything. Order matters. Now, once you've identified your audience and you've come up with what pain or pleasure you're going to speak to, and you've also treated this like a lawyer where you've bulleted out each of the arguments and they're in the right order, now you get to begin writing as an essayist. And I think it's important that you don't write with a lukewarm voice. You need to have an opinion here. You need to make a statement. You get to actually put your foot down and tell the world how things should be. If you're not passionate about the topic, the reader will not be passionate about change. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was not a pushover when he spoke, and so we still, to this day, remember his message. Turn on your computer, or if you prefer to write the first draft by hand, your blank page. Now look at the first bullet point in your sequence of arguments, and make sure you understand precisely how that point strengthens your argument. Read the title of your essay one more time to ensure that you stay on track and you're fulfilling that promise, and then write. One thing I do to make sure I'm staying on track is I will actually print out the title and tape it to my wall so that I'm always looking at it as I'm crafting this essay. Again, I think opinions are the missing piece of a good essay. Don't get lost thinking that an essay is a research paper where you present the facts only. No, your opinion counts. You're allowed to say that others' ideas are wrong. If you write with a bland pen, nobody's going to follow you. Tell me why I should care. Tell me why I should change deep-seated practices in my own life. Tell me why I should pay attention to you. And if you do a good enough job, maybe, just maybe, I will. Now, I'm not going to talk about editing your essays since that's a technical aspect of the craft that can be learned through watching millions of resources already created. 
What I will say is that when you go back and read through your rough draft, the most essential part of the edit is to ensure that each paragraph pushes the reader into the next paragraph, that each sentence leads the reader to the next sentence, and that each word drives the reader to the next word. When you learn to write well, everything changes. You're going to start movements. You're going to build more wealth. You're going to open doors for yourself. People will seek out your ideas and they will want to know your opinion on things. Your community is going to improve. Your family will have more direction. And most importantly, you will have made a difference. That is the change I'm asking you to make. I'm asking you to write your essay. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you found it helpful in any way, please take just a moment to go to thereadwellpodcast.com where you can subscribe to my newsletter. Every week I send out my current essay along with updates on the community that will help you build better reading habits and better writing habits. If you find that useful, that's a community that we would love to have you in. Last but not least, if you found the episode helpful, I would really appreciate it if you took a minute to go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening and give us a rating. That would mean a whole lot and it would really help the show grow. Thanks again and I'll see you next week. If you'd like to take your reading to the next level, then head on over to our website at thereadwellpodcast.com. There you can get access to my weekly newsletter as well as up-to-date show information. Also, don't forget that I learned software development on the side just so that I could build a program to help us make better book notes as we read. If you're interested, go to highlightish.com. Think of highlighting a book, but add ish, I-S-H, at the end. Highlightish.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you on the next show.